our health of a nation has been destroyed. Yeah. People just have not accepted the fact of that yet. If you want to exit out, what you do is you get back to the source of the seed of what true nutrition is. And it's not going to be dictated by a marketing plan, by a multinational corporation. It's going to be basically stewarded to you by somebody that's been doing it for hundreds of years. Yeah. And that is the American rancher with his heritage, with his legacy and how he and all of the information that he knows how to basically take the earth and allow you to eat it. And he wow. uses these animals basically give you the soil on your plate today well texas slim of the beef initiative he comes on and takes the lidometer test yeah that's right and it's fascinating texas slim is a guy with a ton of experience in the tech world a ton of experience now trying to deliver healthy food to unhealthy americans he talks about it he has a whole international movement, and I highly recommend this conversation. What the hell am I supposed to call you? <laughs> Texas, right? Everybody, you can call me Texas, you can call me Slim, and everybody goes, oh, that's kind of, you know, whatever. It's catchy. Hell yeah, it's catchy. I've been called Texas Slim across the world my whole life at Good. certain points in time. Slim it is. And I, my mom made name me that. So if you can't call me what my mom calls me, then I don't guess we're friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Slim. Here we go. I like it. Yep. Yeah, so that's cool. You were just saying off off camera. So the beef initiative, I want you to tell us about it. Uh sure. But this wasn't always your thing. No. Uh, you were in tech. So how did that go? Well, you know, it, it's a fascinating story. I never, you, you know how it is, man. You live a life and you end up in a certain place and you go, well, shit, I better start paying attention to what I've formulated with all these years. Right. And what I'd done when I was 19, I fled small town Texas because my town was dead, you know, and I grew up branching agriculture. It's in our history. You know, I'm multi-generational Texan on, you know, different generations and different sides of the family. But we go back at least five to six in Texas itself. And so we've always been around agriculture and ranching, animal producing, you know, taking care of the land. Well, my lifetime, you know, we got out of it. But, uh, you know, I got trapped in whenever I was a teenager into the farm aid, did all that kind of nefarious things that happen with savings and loan, farmers losing their land, losing their equipment. You know, the dead economy had basically, that was the first phase of really starting to destroy the American farmer rancher mm -hmm. was in the 80s. A lot of people don't realize that. So at 19, I packed my damn car up and I drove to Austin. I had $125 in my pocket. I've never been formally um, educated. I, I don't like the institutions. I don't like the universities never had because they are basically, they perform a prohibition against the, the poor man. I grew up pretty poor. And so what I did as a young man, I just started infiltrating the University of Texas and I would go to the classes I wanted to. And so I became uh, self-taught in technology at the perfect time. It was a perfect storm in the 90s to get into technology. So I did. I adopted it as a basically a skill set. I, I met some fascinating people that were cyberpunks, all that kind of stuff. And you're well, single at this day, point. You're, you're, yeah, you're on I, your own. You're on you're, my own. Yeah, on my own, everything. <clears throat> but what I did is I was able to uh, basically work for a lot of startups there in Austin, Texas. 
you know, it was innovation. And it's a lot what I'm seeing right now in a lot of spaces. I had some success in one particular startup company, and we ended up being bought out by uh, Charles Schwab for a half a billion dollars in stock. Well, we became the technology behind tech, uh, Charles Schwab. So I, I saw success. I saw failure within startup companies, how to facilitate a grassroots type of movement, really. And what we ended up doing is it led me to be a research analyst for the telecommunications industry. By 2016, though, I was done. I saw what we were doing. I saw what technology, where it was going. I saw the division of interpersonal communication across our children and our nation, and I wanted no part of it. So, and then so, fast forward a couple. Go, go right there for one second, because I, I want to come back to how you get into the beef initiative. But sure, just pull that apart for us a little bit. Um, you saw something in telecommunications. Mm-hmm. And really in tech, yeah. what was I, nefarious about, or if you don't like nefarious, what was wrong? What was what at the core philosophically, what was going sure. on? Well, you know, we were, you know, 9-11 happened, right? I was working in, uh, I was, it was right whenever my company that I was working for, it wasn't my company, but where I was, we had a lot of uh, innovation that we'd done, you know, on the internet side of things. Uh, SBC, AT&T basically did a corporate takeover. And so I got put into the telecommunications industry. And then I I was pretty good. I was senior project manager, all that stuff. And it led me to get into the research analysis part of things. And so what I really saw whenever broadband, within texting, within just the innovations, and I don't say it's nefarious because it, in the beginning it wasn't, you know, it's mm. just communications, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's what we're doing. We're, you know, we're, we're moving and every, it was, it was cool. You know, t- from the early nineties until 2015 or 2005, those were painful damn times. We had the dot-com boom, the, the bust, yeah. right? Yeah. Everybody's trying to find themselves. Google wasn't always around. Nobody bought shoes on the <laughs> internet. You know, there's so right. many things of layers that we had to create in this thing we called the internet, which is not even the internet anymore. But uh, what I saw, honestly, I saw the true division of our society in ways that we weren't paying attention to. I was cited to do a basically report on the division of interpersonal communication and where this was going to lead us. What AT&T was trying to do and every other phone company was trying to do at this time, the AT&T really seriously had to sit down in boardrooms to see if they were even going to adopt the Internet in the beginning. They had those discussions. They weren't always on board with what the Internet was. Well, at this point in time, once we had broadband come up, we went into households and we, we had to find ways to divide the family up. How can we get one device, two devices in a home? How can we turn that into 12? Well, we got broadband now. We just had T1 lines. You know, we didn't have broadband at a certain point in time. Once broadband kicked in, we started producing massive amounts of devices, and we tried to get Johnny in his room, Sally in her room, mom in her room, dad in his room. So that was, that was a strategy. Data. That was a strategy oh, for the yes. commodification of the soul or something like that. You betcha. And you can say nefarious or whatever you want to say, but what it was, it was a business move. You have to, I guess, you know, your telecommunications, you're partnering up with all the big box stores across the nation. You're partnered up with Motorola. You've partnered up with everybody that basically sells every one of these devices right now. 
And so it was a huge opportunity for telecommunications and big tech to really get together and divide the family up in ways that we'd never been divided. Okay. You're in a perfect position to answer this. And this is already hot. So I got to ask you. Okay, cool. We're already ahead of where (laughs) this is awesome. Cool. You've got this weird. So you're, you're a businessman who understands uh, distribution and, and, and development mm-hmm. of products. And now you're talking about beef. We'll get to beef. I promise guys. Sure. And sure. this guy's super interesting. I'm talking to my, the, the, the folks that like our, our, our little podcast, but is there, um, is there a necessity at that moment as you watch this, these products come online and as you tech guys are designing Must it be the way it was? In other words, do you have to commodify the soul at that moment? Because here's the question, because you're in business. In other words, maybe the problem isn't so much the tech company. It's the concept of the human vis-a-vis the product. And so what Mm -hmm. I'm asking is, is didn't it have to go this way? Like, I know you got out, but... Mm -hmm. Aren't you going to go make another decision in another business world that's going to make me a product anyway? Isn't that the mm-hmm. nature of what the capitalist society is? Now, I'm a, I'm not against capitalism. What I'm trying to say, though, is aren't we heading this way because we have to? Because that's what our system demands is margins. And so you yeah. will do whatever it takes. What do you think of that? No, I think you're spot on with it. And that's why, you know, you can you can always take the side of the fence, right? You can say, well, it was innocent. It was ignorant. It was nefarious, whatever it is. Bottom line, whenever you're dealing with a multinational corporation apparatus on a supposedly capitalistic standpoint, you're playing to win. You're in it to win it. And that's it. If you don't win it, somebody else is going to win it. And you basically, you know, the telecommunications industry is a cash cow. It's always been a cash cow from day one, man. You want to talk about the worst billing departments in the world, customer service, telecommunications. <laughs> yeah, by the way, we all know that, don't we, somehow? Right, you know? we do, right? But as far as where we've ended up, you know, everybody's to blame. I cannot put it on just the corporations themselves. And whenever you get into food, it, we can about the multinational corporations hijacking our food, our taste buds and everything. Well, bullshit. Guess what? It's it's done because of consumer demand. But what salt we do is we want salt. Hell and yeah, fat. man. You, well, you know, and then they can they can do whatever they want, man. If we're gonna sit there and shove dog food down our throats and say it tastes good, they're gonna give us dog food or or cow and we'll say it's tasting good and it does taste good because so if you, you know, flip here it, we are if you flip it in some ways these humans at this time in history call them Americans or Westerners. We've mm-hmm. asked for it. Is that what happened yeah. on some level? Man, I, I guess. I think we were, you know, I look at my parents and I use them as an example. And it's not a judgment against my parents, but it's, sure. you know, it's a way that I can really call people out. You know, the the senior citizens in this country are 100% targets of certain types of manipulations, you know, we got to get the money out of them. And it's done in a digital way. Now used to, you you know, it was done with phone calls and, you know, postcards in the mail, which is still done. But if you look at our, our behavior 
a lot of it, you know, everybody's living an interface surface level life. Right. They don't know what's underneath that surface. They don't know the intelligence that basically the algorithms, the artificial intelligence that we've adopted and we've basically pioneered. And you look at how we've developed technology, we're in competition with other nations to basically have your attention your attention through food your attention through your 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 short attention span now because humans are less than a goldfish now which is less than eight seconds that we can concentrate on something yeah. this is stuff that you you, you know and people don't know this stuff they don't realize really? so a lot of it was innocent it really is it's not a judgment but a lot of it is you got to go to where you accept that something some type of bull that's going on in our mm-hmm. society because what it has led within food is a gluttonous behavior. So it's talk to us about issue. that. Talk to us. So you're seeing this happen in tech. You're mm-hmm. a young guy or youngish, and then something happens, right? You start to realize this isn't right. And, and then you're going to get mm-hmm. to this beef initiative that I think you're right. known for on a lot of levels. What's going on? How, how did that happen? Well, within me, you know, I got out of tech because I, I was just tired of that algorithm of life. I, I, I did a consulting job with a, uh, a, a basically a corporation that was one, the parent company was in USA Today. I kind of just did it as a hobby. I was ready to exit, but I wanted to get into some of the think tanks and, you know, the planning for the next five years. And so I went out and met with YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, all these guys. You know, I did, like I said, a couple of think tanks. I saw where everything was going with data analysis, analysis data science, you know, how we're using it. It's not quite there, but it's going to be there. Predictive marketing analysis is already in your mm-hmm. your child's uh, bedroom while you're still asleep. And people don't realize where this is going to go. And so unless you don't have an awareness of this, you'll get trapped up into it because we are trapped up into it. So I turned to all of this. What I did is I had a, I, I was in this shop right here. I do metalworking. I'm a metal smith. I've been doing it ever since I moved to Austin when I was young. But I'd had a really bad internal injury. I busted up some ribs and all kinds of stuff, broke my ribs. And it was a, it was an accident, nothing bad. But what I did is I got really sick and I basically ruptured a, a portal vein internally and nobody knew what it was. I didn't know what it was. I covered it up. I've got 20 broken bones. I've got uh, broken my neck. I've got 14 places, uh, pieces of metal in me. I've got Remember a half that? Remember Evil Knievel? Remember Evil Knievel? Yeah, exactly. He was <laughs> my <you>. hero. <laughs> that, was, that was my hero growing up. You know, was he? Cowboy was he? Was he? Okay. Right, oh, right. hell yeah. That's what, you know, I grew up in West Texas. That's all we did was break bones, man. We went out and we were <laughs> Jump serious. off his- <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I it had caught up with me, right? And so I damn near died. And that's another story within itself. And I have no problem telling it because I think it is going to save people's lives. But I took a look at food and I took all these skill sets from understanding agriculture, ranching, and big tech. And I turned it into something called food intelligence. And I went deep down into food intelligence into a macro multinational way in a historical way. And what I uncovered was something I call the harvest of deception. And what it is, is basically how we've engineered really, you know, the last hundred years, but the last 50 years since 1971, I'd say whenever we went big, with agriculture and monocropping and all that, that our health has basically declined as a nation. And right now, as we speak and we talk, the health of this nation has been destroyed Mm -hmm. and people don't want to accept it. People are living in the shadows. 88% of us are now basically metabolically compromised or bankrupt. 
and this is going to catch up to us. And it was done through our consumption model. Consumption model being basically highly processed, multinational food being shoved down our throats through our consumption models of audio and video. And basically how corrupt the food system is at this point in time led to the beef initiative. I went back to my roots and that's when the beef initiative basically was founded. Okay, I got a question. Um, and then tell us, the, tell us the core of the beef initiative. And then there's this core belief concept that you have that, that sort of, I don't know, it buoys or, or it, it, it builds into, I think, the beef initiative, which is kind of what our show, I want to talk about a little bit, your core beliefs. But go one mm-hmm. more second back. You just talked about multinational. So how does it work? Uh why is it so bad? So I'll, I'll just, I'll be a naive consumer, which I am in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Uh, here comes Most people good, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here comes good beef. Now we, we work in Africa. So I see guys go out and kill a goat and then eat it. So that's how we yeah. work. And we know that I, I've killed goats to eat them. So I kind of <laughs> see the picture. However, here's the question I think many will ask on our podcast. Like, well, the meat comes they're not sticking diseases in it. They're we don't think how, what's so bad about the fact that I can get a nice piece of meat at a pretty fair price. Like, come on, like slim, like calm down, man. What's so bad. (laughs) Well, what happened is that we, we were, we were able to engineer food into a very, very, very cheap subsidized commodity way. And pure dense nutrition should never be subsidized. Whenever we subsidize food to make it to where it's a cost-effective mechanism that we can control societies and basically economies with, that's what we did when we went into monocropping. That's what we did when that's we right. went into chemical yeah. and you know chemicals, uh, GMO, everything that it basically was, I say, nefarious at this point because it, they know it destroys our health you know in a, in a perfect example is using rapeseed as a, a basically a global commodity that they insert into every food product that we consume rapeseed is basically a weed that is toxic that was outlawed by the fda in 1956 and now it's probably the biggest subsidized commodity that your child eats so a subsidized okay. commodity is something it's it's like when crack dealers cut their cocaine with something Hell yeah. You look at now, I, I got a guy that uh, is, he's, he was in the industrial food. He's a mathematician. Okay. And he worked in the industrial food system. He designed food with math equations. And so what they do, as, as you just said, like crack cocaine is what they do is they go in there and they'll find out, okay, we got a bean and beef burrito. Let's just, everybody can relate to this. You get a bean and beef burrito. Okay. It used to be 50% beef and it used to be 50% beans. Those beans used to be pretty good beef, maybe some trim, some beef, but still it was okay. It was 50% real beans. Well, now it's basically beans are genetically modified in a way to where they can subsidize and commoditize it in a way that nobody knows. Well, now it's only got about 2% beef, and that 48% is now filler. That filler will be canola. That filler will be soybean oil. That filler will be... These stacks of commodities that they've cut into, as you say, the cocaine, they've cut into that burrito, inserted all these multinational commodities into that burrito 
to where they're making billions of dollars off of each one of those, off the canola oil, off the soybean, off the soybean oil, off the high fructose corn syrup, off the beef flavoring, off of dude, dude, off the chemical that has to make it basically tastes like beef. Mm -hmm. And each one of those is an individual commodity, fake commodity that they inserted into our consumption models and made us believe that they're heart healthy, that, hey, you're saving the planet. Here we go. They use all these nefarious marketing and messaging campaigns that basically the medical community has no idea to really how to tackle. And so that's where I see, okay, what's daunting, right? How the hell do we take care of it? Well, I came up with the phrase. I said, you got to get back to the source of the sea to where you came from. And that's where the education starts. With me, I grew up with a freezer full of beef in West Texas. We always had beef. We always knew who grew that beef. And I guarantee you, my childhood was full of power, energy, laughter, something I don't see anymore in the children of this nation and of this world. And it's so simple, it's complicated the most. And what the Beef Initiative truly is about is about getting to the source of the seed of what true dense nutritional protein is and starting your life over from that one point of view. That's all you got to do. And if I'm going to bitch and moan about this, I have to come up with a solution. So I came up, I borrowed off my big tech, borrowed off ranching and agriculture, and I created something. I said, go shake your damn rancher's hand. Go develop a relationship with the person that lives and dies to feed you, educate you, let you know exactly why he does what he does. And that way you can respect him. and You can give him a voice that he lost in 1971. Because what we did is we commoditized and subsidized the beef industry. So you gave me the, wow, I actually, this is creepy, but I, my hair was standing up. Here's why. Because you're not really just talking about a singular problem. It's granular two ways. And here's what I mean. You're actually, by identifying this issue and making it real to me, which you just have done and to other people now who are listening, and coming up with a solution about meet your farmer, you're going to get good food. But here's the real thing that I like, and it fits into our work. But you're also going to offer a road to something like fulfillment for the one who used to grow that which was simple. And now, and for so long, the, the elite academics of our world have made that guy's job growing, growing or, or raising cattle as something like, um, an ignorant job. He's a technician. That, yeah, he's a te- he's, no, he's a technician. He's a compartmentalized technician. Yeah, now. that's right. He's and one he's part a, in this moving machine. Now right. I see what you're doing is if we do this correctly, is you're creating a humanity within the hearts of both the buyer and, and the seller, which we have it's balanced, which we yep. have lost, which I love because that tells me that's like evidence in my world that it's good because if it mm-hmm. only goes one way, Right. So here's what I'm afraid. It goes one way. You make food better on some levels. But now the corporation's going to come in and play the role of this farmer. I, I just feel it like <laughs> they are. They already are. Right. They're going to tell you, here's the healthy stuff. You're right. You, you know what? That's not that's not a bad idea. Slim, you're right. It's really not good. But there's going to fake us out again. No, I feel they're like they're already doing happen. it, man. The, the beef initiative has already been replicated that I can see right now. There's another company, and I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to get in a pissing match with all these other different companies. But there's, it's already being replicated, 
and they will. The multinational corporations will use their billion-dollar marketing plans and go in there and basically recreate, try to recreate on a surface, interface surface level. Remember what I say there, and they'll do it, and people will fall for it. But what they'll do is it is a trap, and it is something that will not be fulfilled. Whenever you do go follow through the protocol of what I'm talking about is truly, if you can't shake a rancher's hand in person, what you can do is you can basically do a digital handshake through the beef initiative. Because what we've done is I've gone out there and every producer that comes in the beef initiative, we don't ask anything from them. We invite them. We say, hey, man, this is open source. This is a collaboration. If you want to tell people what you do and why you do it, join the Beef Initiative and you will find people that are searching for you. To walk us through We that, are a bridge. I sure. think you have a, yeah, you have a believer here for a second. So work with me. Yeah. And I got some other, yeah. maybe harder questions for you. We'll see. Uh, I want to join. <laughs> I want to join the Beef Initiative. Okay. And then what as As, what a, per, as a consumer, as, as a, a consumer, consumer, as a mm-hmm. As a consumer, all you got to do is go to the Beef Initiative. There's two entry points that I like that took us about you know a year to get there. I knew it was going there, but it, it, we have proof of work and it's working magically. If you're a consumer, let's say I'll just pick a random place that is kind of hard to you know discover as far as being right in the smack dab of you know let's say um, let me say I don't know uh, Canyon, Texas. Okay. Uh-huh. It's out, you know, it's in the panhandle of Texas. It's in uh, the desert high plains, uh, drought ridden. Usually, you know, it's a Lano Estacado. It's the cap rock. Well, man, we grow a lot of beef there in Canyon, Texas. It is the belly of the beast of the, the multinational corporations. As far as JBS, Cargill, everybody, I can't get any of the local beef. though. So I'm going to go to the beef initiative and I'm first, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the producer section and I'm going to search for a producer that's close to Canyon, Texas. Boom. It pops up. Who is it? Well, it's Panhandle Meats, Tear Bloom. Oh, look, they have their own processing center. They do grass finished and grass grain finished. They do everything that I maybe I should learn a little bit more about this. Well, I'm, I'm in the beef initiative, have all this education in front of me. Well, yeah, I love everything that they're doing, but what about my cousin that lives up there in Washington State? They don't have anybody. He's mm-hmm. tried. He looked at the beef initiative. Well, now he can buy beef through the beef initiative through one of these producers that is shipping nationwide. And so what we're doing is we're shipping nationwide. We're allowing you to source your beef locally first. That's what we want you to do because it's going to build your community. You're going to tell your family, your friends, everybody around you say, Hey, I got panhandle meats up here in Canyon, Texas. You guys need to start going. They have a storefront. They have a meat market. You can go look at the processing center. You can find out where this beef comes from. There's nothing there. They're totally honest with their inauthentic with their protocols. They will let you know exactly. There's no antibiotics. There's no steroids. You find out, you start educating. You're like, man, this is fascinating. All these different cuts of the cow. Oh, I see. Yes, and then yes. what do you know? Okay, well, guess. You got Texas Slim's Cuts. He's in partnership with Cole Bolton of K&C Cattle down in Luling, Texas. We're shipping beef to 48 states right now. And I have all these different options of cuts and education. I can support a rancher. I can basically get beef delivered through me, a subscription model or a box. That's what I was just going to ask. Have, so it comes to yeah, my I, personal freezer. It, you betcha. It's cut for yep. the individual consumer. Nice, nice. So all the way from basically a box of beef or just a cut of beef, you're going to have every option, but it takes the consumer 
to realize this is not freaking Whole Foods, Amazon. This is not the supermarket. This is an intentional international lifestyle that we're basically stewarding across the, the world right now. And what it is, it makes the person, the individual, I call the individual the first community that you're going to have is that, okay, I'm going to change my consumption model. My consumer demand will now be supporting those who live and die to basically feed me and who have been basically uh, a prohibition of massive amounts has gone on the last 50 years. And if I don't do something as my individual community, we will not have these options anymore in the United States. A lot okay. of people don't have these options across the world right That's now. right. That's right. Oh man, I've got 30 questions. Here's one. So Slim, if this works and it is working, yeah. Because I bumped into you through a friend of mine who's a big supporter of our work. Mm -hmm. And he just he said, come on, call him. And I was like, he seems like a big deal. I don't know if he's going to want to talk to us. And what I realize is, is you're a true believer. You know, you're Mother Teresa on some level. And you're, you're, yeah. you're doing this with beef. So here's my question, though. You're going to, you know... Christ went up there with the with the devil on the mountain, and he's like, "Hey, listen, you can have all this, brother." And so that's yep. coming for you because if you do this properly, and people wake up, how do you not make us again through the beef initiative just another product? How, because you're gonna, if it's good, good question resources yeah. are coming your way. How do you stay out of the trap? that all these yeah, other men I mean, and women yeah, have fallen in. And they do. And this happens all the time. You see it in the processing industry. And I'll use the processing industry as an example. In the United States, we have four major multinational processors that process 80% of our proteins, be it fake or be it beef, chicken, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So you have those four multinational processors, right? Well, in Texas, we have 254 counties in Texas. We used to have 254 microprocessing centers. Okay, it was decentralized. It wasn't controlled by four multinational corporations. But now what you're seeing across the nation, because there's been an attack on processing centers, there's been basically uh, friction to be able to open up these processing centers because the multinationals just have way too much money. It's very hard. So you got to go on a micro level. Well, they were decentralized. My grandfather was decentralized. What the beef initiative is, it's decentralized. We're not a centralized apparatus. We don't have any type of centralized control. The, the farmers and producers are now basically running the beef initiative. I'm, I'm the figurehead. I'm the, co I'm the founder. So there's no corporate structure the at the top. No, that, no. And we'll never let anybody know what that is. We're decentralized. If you come after me in Texas, we got somebody out there in Tennessee. You come after somebody in Tennessee, we got people in California. You come after me in California, we got people in Florida. You come after Florida, we got people in Australia. You got people in Nigeria. You got people. This is where we're, we're going. What do the regulators this. think of you? Because regulators, they don't they're like gonna the decentralized they're, model. They're going to copy us. They're going to copy us in a nefarious way where people are basically going to be trapped in marketing plans. And basically, it'll be interface surface level type of, you know, fodder that they're going to steal from us. And but once again, I go shake a rancher's hand, man. You can't yeah. stop me from feeding my children with this relationship that I have with this producer. Right. I have a many intro entry points of knowing who this producer is. And I tell everybody we're going to turn pop culture on its head. You know, Yellowstone out there right now is the number one TV show in the United States. Well, I'm going to tell everybody else, and I, I apologize for cussing, but I'm a cusser. You were the Yellowstone. 
and we're going to show people the true way of living that you guys are so yearning to find out because you're watching it on TV. Well, I'm talking to, you know, 10 of these characters every day of my life, and we're building a basically a food system that is decentralized, and we're not going to sell out to a multinational corporation because there's nothing to sell out. What are you going to do? Sell out all the decentralized producers uh, across right. the nation? Right. There's no entity there to be sold no. in that sense. I, you know, the beef initiative will make money, but all the money that, for that the beef initiative will have a high valuation. But all that money is going to go back into our educational system. We also are the inventor of something called the I Am Texas Slim Trust. That trust gives a $10,000 grant to a rancher producer who is now going to become the educator. He's going to open up his ranch and he's going to do internships. He's going to do apprenticeships. And we've already done that. Here's a tricky question. There's a, so on on this show, we talk about the old world and the new world. And we do that because our guys that we send into the field for two years at a time, Mm -hmm. uh, they go and work in, in what we call isolated, impoverished, developing, I don't know, global South. It depends who you want to offend, but (laughs) right in cultures that are not Western. So like Sierra Leone, Mozambique, Georgian Republic, while we're there, what we see is what you're talking about. So my friends Mm -hmm. in Sierra Leone are killing much of their own food, if not all of it on some level, or they're growing it, but it's changing because the people you're talking about have arrived. And, mm-hmm. and they're arriving on the cell phones. And mm-hmm. so w- one of the things that we say is, is, well, there's a mindset that is the last of the products. What what my guys and my friends in, in Sierra Leone or Mali don't have is the mindset that the Western corporate CEO needs them to have, which is the consumer mindset. Mm-hmm. The, and that firewall, that thing that doesn't allow them to become a consumer is this weird old world, I, you can call it religion, I would call it perspective, that my life is more important as a soul in the next world than it is in this world. And what mm-hmm. I found is the world you're describing, the world of the CEO, the, the, the big corporate world, is built on this fulcrum. And the fulcrum that we're constantly on and we're balancing on is this religious worldview of an afterlife with an afterlife there is fear of living a type of life (laughs) a type of life that dishonors my neighbor without Mm -hmm. an afterlife if you're a monkey and i'm a monkey then what happens is is why wouldn't i dishonor you again why wouldn't i sell you a burrito filled with crack cocaine additives or whatever you know i'm making mixing the (laughs) metaphor and i like it (laughs) I see this as a really important part of the, maybe even your conversation, which is why shouldn't I take advantage of the market and the desire of a human being who wants salt and fat? Why shouldn't I give them the salt and fat and give it to them any way they want it? After all, they want it. And I, I I wonder why should like, tell me philosophically or spiritually or whatever, however, why, why shouldn't I do that? What's wrong with that? Well, once again, you know, I said, you know, they're in it to win it, right? I mean, they have families, uh, they have legacies that they're trying to create, you know, financial legacies or reputation see, legacies, yeah. whatever it is. You know, I just, I, I say, you know, what is your true intent in this life? It's really simple. It's like mine is that, you know, purity, 
innocence, to save the innocence of our child's souls. And that's being destroyed. So anybody that wants to kind of come up to me and ask me why I'm doing it, it's to save children's lives. We're killing children with our adult consumption model mm. and our adult consumerism. As you say, you know, consumerism is, is, is not relevant in a lot of cultures. Right. So whenever it comes to that, it's not. It really is. I'm an exchanger of value for value. That's what I like. If I find value, I want to give the same equal value back. And so if we can do that as individuals, individual communities, then, you know, you go ahead, multinational, you're going to have to answer. There is an accountability mirror. It's not me. Everybody has to find that in their own places, their time on this earth, in in their flesh. You have to answer. The truth comes out. The truth always wins. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, my Muslim friends in Mali... Mm-hmm. Their accountability was to Allah. So it was really simple. Like someone could steal from you, but then the yeah. whole village would just say, oh, Allah, Allah, like that's not going to go well with Allah. Right. And that firewall, it's gone in the way. That's not a thing. Now, let's just say there's no God. Okay. There's no God. Sure. What, if fine. you think there's a God, you still have that firewall. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> like, right. And I act according. Now, I'm not trying to turn this into a big God conversation. What I'm trying to turn it into is how does this initiative, how does our work at First Things, how do we avoid that moment when the big corporation comes and says, here's some dough and it's <laughs> real dough. And it'll change your life. And you know what? It will. How do we resist that moment? Because I think your project is amazing, but there's going to be temptations for these guys. There's going to be temptations. Well, I don't, once again, doesn't it come back to the, the, the self, you know, we are living. Okay. Social engineering is very prevalent is what I really wanted to get away from in big tech was the social engineering in ways of algorithms, dopamine, blah, 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 attention spans, all that kind of stuff. Well, the religion of self is what we're living through. A lot of people don't understand what that means. And the religion of self is, you know, I'm a victim. I, you know, I deserve this. I am entitled Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody had what did you, you brought up Satan and Jesus, you know, up there, uh, you know, on the 40 days and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, what did Jesus tell Satan? You know, he, he basically told him to piss off. So, yeah, go pound you know, rock, not, bro. <laughs> right. Yeah, there you go. So but what we see as a society right now, once again, you know, I don't even worry about that. If my my time on this earth was going to be remembered for saving children's lives. That's the only thing that matters Mm -hmm. in each individual. If you do not have the same intent, if you are basically trapped in the religion of self, you're going to have to answer. And that's not preaching, man. That's just that's life on this rock that we live on. And if you can't, if you don't have that type of basically emotional maturity and you're in it for yourself, go for it, man. Have fun. But it will have consequence in ways that I'm not trying to predict. It just happens. I mean, we all do it. Yeah. I think you're proving it, though, with the way you educated us. The consequences for the food chain are rough. Mm -hmm. I think it contributed to the pandemic because in West Africa and in East Africa, we weren't there was no thing going on. It was the the pandemic was basically a pandemic of ill health. Eighty eight percent of Americans 
are now metabolically bankrupt or compromised. This fatty liver disease in children coming into doctors. See, I, we have a lot of doctors that report to the beef initiative. They're telling us what they're seeing on the ground. Mm. We're, we're killing our kids. The BMI basically just got uh, doubled, multiplied. They had to expand the BMI because half our children are on the pathway to obesity in the United States. That is because of the multinational poison that we're feeding them because our food is commoditized and subsidized and has no nutritional value, but it tastes good. And once again, it's so simple, it's complicated to most. Our health of a nation has been destroyed. Yeah. People just have not accepted the fact of that yet. If you want to exit out, what you do is you get back to the source of the seed of what true nutrition is, and it's not going to be dictated by a marketing plan, by a multinational corporation. It's going to be basically stewarded to you by somebody that's been doing it for hundreds of years, yeah. and that is the American rancher with his heritage, with his legacy, and how he and all of the information that he knows how to basically take the earth and allow you to eat it, and he wow. uses these animals basically give you the soil on your plate. And if we can basically, as the beef initiative, get that understanding, that vertical integration of what you need to do as a consumer or as a consumption model is basically get back to the earth. And that's what the big multinational corporations are doing right now because they're talking about carbon and being a carbon farmer, you know, sequester your carbon, everything, all this climate change bull. That is nothing but an idealistic, impressionable, playing on impressionable minds, and people are going to feel good about it, and they're still going to be eating poison unless in, they know exactly where it comes from. They're anticipating the feel good of trying to fix the problem they created, and so <laughs> that's a pretty wild idea. Mm-hmm. So, so he, let, we're going to take a break. When I come back, can okay. I ask you... We have this test called the Lido meter. Okay. And so what it tries to do, I hear you as an old world voice. Uh, you sound more like a West African than maybe uh, East Coast American. I'm just letting you know. Right. And sure. I want to test. I want to, will you take, will you answer like five short questions? It's fun. It's a fun man, test. hundred percent, man. Okay. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm totally transparent, man. I can't right. be Texas slim now at this point and <laughs> run from anything. So right. shoot away. So we'll, we'll come, we'll come, we'll come right back. One second. Hi guys. I'm inviting you to two events. One is here in Greenville, a concert on May 6th, putting it together right in front of our restaurant at Hampton Station on the green. It's gonna be fun. It's an international music event of sorts. Local bands combined with a few really cool headliners, all to benefit First Things Foundation. May 6th in Greenville, check it out, more to come. Also on your radar, a special culinary event. It's happening in early September, probably over the Labor Day weekend. And it's happening down in the Florida Keys at a place called Pines and Palms Resort. That's right. In collaboration with those fine people there, we're going to bring down a select few people to learn about the Georgian Supra. We'll teach Tamada. We'll teach Georgian cooking. And we'll talk about the art of hospitality, which is the Georgian way. That is an update and an invite from First Things Foundation. Back to the show. 
All right, Slim, let's let's talk about this trip you're gonna take. But first, because people who come to our podcast know this test, and it was sort of developed for one kind of reason is is I'm a historian by trade. Uh, started a nonprofit as sort of like you know a love project, not unlike the beef, beef initiative, I think. And um, basically. When I say old world in my own mind, it makes a lot of sense. When I say new world mind, the scientific mind, that makes a lot of sense. But for a lot of folks, especially when you're in the culture itself, it's hard to determine, okay, old world, no world, what am I? So we we created this very scientific test, even though it's not scientific, but it works. So here we go. Let's find out, right? Sure. Shall we? Um, so five questions. Just try to remember your score. Three is fully 100% agree. That that makes total sense, hundred percent in. Two is eh, probably probably got some issues with it. One is probably not true or not something I support. Zero is yeah no, that's stupid. I totally disagree or don't believe. Three is all the way in. Zero is all the way out. Okay, so here's our first question: When you die. Or when people die, they don't really die all the way. It's more like they're asleep or you'll be asleep waiting for the next world of some sort. Three, oh, yeah, that's definitely true. Zero, like, yeah, that's definitely not true. Are you talking about spirit or flesh? Right. So uh, the question <laughs> just stands on its own. I don't want to. I don't want to influence you. When you okay. die, you won't really die all the way. It's more like you'll be asleep or waiting for some next world of some sort. Man, your your spirit lives on for eternity. Three. Yes. Okay, three. All right, I, I, I'm supposed to... We'll remember, we'll remember. Here's your second sure. question. Okay. The best way to get to know about Slim or the best way to get to know about you is to ask someone else about you and not ask you three is like uh, oh yeah that's definitely the best way zero is that stupid man i'm gonna admit you what's the middle one you know because middle <laughs> ones would be like uh probably not true is a one probably true is a two so you do 1.5 1.5 it is right. I'll, I'll, I'll hang out on the fence there Total it in your head. Guys, yeah. people who are watching right 4. now. 4.5. When John 4. does 4. this. 4.5 at this okay. point time. 1.5. 4.5. All right. Excellent. Yeah. People watching this slim are like, not this test again. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> All right. Number three. Uh, when you, Slim, carry a picture of your friend or your parent or somebody in your wallet or you, you're actually carrying that person around with you, like they're kind of there. They're closer to me because of the picture. Three. three. Hell yeah. Oh, three. Okay. All yep. right. Three. You got your score in your head? Yep. I got it too. Fourth question. One more after this. Respect isn't earned. It's owed by you to others. Respect isn't earned. It's owed by you to others. I grew up. I've got. I got to put dialogue to this. Please I do. Grew please. Up, the dialogue's I, great. I grew up as a little boy, 
I mean, small little boy in West Texas, if I didn't go up and shake somebody's hand and look them in the eye, I was being 100%. It was on me. And I take all full responsibility. If I disrespect, disrespect to somebody, then I'm a jackass. So you give respect and that's it. And if you give respect, no matter who that person is, you're going to find out if they're a respectable person. You take the weight of that. And if they're, if they're a dip, they're a dip. You don't have to own it. So, you know, you, you basically, you, you, you present respect everywhere you go. You have to, you don't know who anybody is. We're all the same. Well, that's what you have to, you know, kind of look at. So, man, well, I don't want to give it away. I love, yeah, that's magnificent. I'm with you on that. On that, that's what I have. That's what I say too to this. Now, some people say, "Well, you so that, people yeah. are going to take advantage of you, yada yada." But I'm like, "Well, oh. then that no, no. See, right there, if they say that, then what are you weak? Are you fragile? Are you don't have a base layer of uh, foundation in your core belief system where that's really going to bother you? Let them disrespect you. Let's let let it let's let them expose themselves. Man, Truth t- is basically, you know, this is this is how we operate in the beef initiative. You want to go ahead, go ahead and you know, I always tell everybody, you know, what I do exposes the truth. Mm-hmm. And so you come at me no matter which way you're gonna come at me, because it'll expose your intentions. Yeah. If your intentions are to be uh to take care, uh, advantage of me, go for it. I'm okay, I know where I stand. Man, that I is a no very problems. rare answer in this, on this test. So you would give that respect. You're saying three, like, yeah, it's over. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh wow. yeah. By far. I did not yes. see that one coming at all. I think people watching. Nah, man. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. One yeah, last one. Go for it. So we'll, we can talk about it again. We'll get this number out. Nah, we'll we, we got about. plenty. We'll, we'll have more than one podcast. Let's okay. Good. I enjoy speaking okay. to you. So yeah, I can't too. wait. Here's the last one. Fifth question. I can't wait to live with my parents in one big house when they get really old or slash. I can't wait to go back to my kid's house and live with them when I get old. Three is hell. Yeah. Zero is like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Oh, I want every bit of that, man. We come from farms. We come from, you know, I think that's what happened in my childhood is that the family was divided in a social engineered way. You look at my parents divorced in the seventies and it was the decade of divorce. A lot of that was done through pop culture. A lot of it was done through economic measures and everything. It killed the family. So no, uh, in other cultures across the world, you take care of your parents until they're off into this next life. And so, no, I, I would love to bring that back in this culture in the United States is like, I'll take care of my parents until the, their last breath. Yeah. And so then three. I want my son to figure, yeah, that's definitely a three, let's say a five. Okay. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so in my very non-mathematical brain, you were 10 and a half on that with a three. So something like 13 and a half. So I got to tell 13 you 13 and a half is what I got. Okay. Holy smokes. All right. Check this out. So again, I call this very scientific because I, I think there's an intuition to the soul that has rules. I think intuition, mm-hmm. people think of intuition as like, it's floating around. It's a floating <laughs> around idea. No, no, I think it has, intuition is tied to something like the God portal, like the noetic person. And I do think there are ways 
to operate in the spiritual world, just like there are ways to operate in the material world. So here we go. I think it's a scientific test in a, in a noetic way. Here it is. If you had scored zero, in other words, all your answers were zero, we call that the Francis Bacon Award. He's an old world thinking, has the same appeal to you as placing leeches on an open sore. In other words, you're a very new world if you scored a zero. You scored a 13 and a half. So you are not that dude on this test. Mm-hmm. If you scored one or nice. three, one or three, we call you something like the high nooner. In other words, the bright light of the new world is very, ha- you're very happy in the new world. So we're climbing up the ladder. You're not the shining city dweller on the hill. We have this on our website. You're not even the suburbanite. So many people, when we give this test, they're right in the middle between eight and 11. But bro, you're, you're falling in the villager. So here's what we call you on our test. The old world is in your bones. There's a really good chance you hate malls. Places like old Algeria and Ethiopia, they they like you and you like old places. Your Spotify collection has some kind of weird old music in it and, or old West Texas sounds in it. And you like things that are old and you don't mind a little hierarchy in your world. And you get that you have to show respect. And dude, that feels true to that's me. That's amazing. That's that's so cool. You know, uh, I'll just say this. I'll, this is my comment, okay? I'm Texas red dirt country all the way, right? Here we are. West Texas, Yano Estacado. I mean, the dirt is red and the, the, the country in Western is true country in Western, right? Well, I'm also listening to some African, basically Afro uh, techno hip hop all kinds of cool stuff that I love getting the international brain going here. And so I'm listening to some really cool Asian meditation music. I'll be in Thailand soon. It'll be my, you know, I've been to Thailand before, so we're going to go ride uh, motorcycles up into the jungle a little bit as far as the forest and everything in Northern Thailand. So I always like to hear the vibration of, you know, where I'm going. So I'm getting ready. So I, all my music playlists are very diverse. A lot of people would not even understand. Tell us I about your to. trip. What are you trying to do on the yeah. trip? And also, you have an invite to Mozambique and Sierra Leone. If if you're going to the Caucasus in Georgia, come hang out with our guys there that are doing work that you would totally resonate with. But Well, I, I, I'm looking at Nigeria doing? right now. I want to go to Nigeria. Uh, we're trying to make that happen as well. So I want to go to the continent for sure. I don't want to generalize that. Africa. That's it's disrespectful. Right. You know, and I want each country to have a say so. So I'd love to visit every you know, every part of it that would have me. But what what we did within the beef initiative, you know, I tried to make this something in a, and we're in the Bitcoin space because it's very international. It's it's a global movement. There are no borders within Bitcoin and it's it's decentralized thinking as well, which I really enjoyed in the beginning. But uh, Australia really, uh, you know, I've got some friends in Australia and we really just started collaborating. And now I had five summits here in the United States in 2022. Well, we're heading off to Australia next Saturday and we're going to go and have five summits across the continent of Australia. We're bringing everybody in together, farmers, ranchers. uh, we're, We're basically just, you know, there are no boundaries. 
We're doing a lot like what you're doing right now, and we're going to do it with the Beef Initiative. We're going to give insight to these ranches. We're going to open gates across the world right now is what I'm saying in 2023. It's like, oh, we, we opened about, you know, a few gates in 2022. Well, we're going to go do it internationally now, and we're going to let you shake those ranchers, farmers' hands on an international front so you can see that this is not something that has any borders. It does not have to be in Texas. It does not have to be in the United States. We can be any place in the world and you can have access, market access to this lifestyle and to this access to the pure dense protein. And, you know, it'll be beef in some places. It's going to be something else in other places. This is about clean food. This is about clean food food you know and this is not even a freaking carnivore or vegan thing man this is about clean food so you can't come at me saying oh you know you're anti-vegan i'm not anti-vegan there's people in africa that all they eat is mushroom for their proteins man Mm -hmm. this is about having access to good nutrition again as a people who want to feed their children and they don't want to participate in this multinational, highly processed lie that we've basically engineered over the five decades that I've been alive. Who and pushes so back gonna, on you the most? Who's the entity? Nobody. The organ, nobody. nobody yet, I know. They I can't I, figure I, it out. Exactly. They can't yeah. figure it out, man. So I, I asked them, what's your, what's your intentions? Because I tell them what my intentions are. I'll go to the grave, man. I'm going to go save some children's lives. They are powerless right now over our adult consumption model. That's a bunch of bulls. And we've got to wake up as a people, as a parent, as an individual community, whoever you are. If you don't have children, well, you better work double time then because the parents are busy. Yeah. You better start educating the chi- the parents so the children can actually have the life that I had growing up. And it wasn't rich. It was basically rich in protein. It was rich in dense mm. nutrition. And until you, the individual parent or the individual community, can accept that, then you're not going to be happy in the way that you have an opportunity to be happy. It is a lifestyle. We build out locally and we broadcast globally. That's what this trip to Australia is about. Then yeah. we'll be going to Africa, I hope. Then we're going to go to Europe. Wherever anybody will have me, I told everybody this year, I, I drove 60,000 miles last year across the United States on back roads. I went and saw what this country is. We, we are one big food desert right now. A lot of communities, all they have is a Dollar General, a convenience store, and a Walmart that's about 50 miles away. That is how we're feeding our children in this nation. And that has to stop. If you you want to come along, come along. If you don't, go ahead and eat your pizza pockets. It it's gotta break down, doesn't it? It's gonna it's gonna move toward decentral the system can't support itself on some level, right? No, it can't. And they're gonna use money, they're gonna use digital currencies, they're gonna use uh, centralized marketing plans. They're going to use enforcement, governmental contracts, but it takes education. And the best starting point of that education, and my mission is to start it within the Beef Initiative, that collaboration that are people out there that are doing it every day, 24-7, 365. That's yeah. all it takes. And I hear story after story, this cloud of people are just starting to come in and they're saying, you're saving my life. I did what you said. It was so simple. It was complicated. But now it's something that they'll never go back on. They'll never change. Well, I think this, maybe we'll end with this, but I'll just make this comment. Uh, our work is about decentralization too. There's an, there's an alliance here. Because what mm-hmm. we saw was that most small projects, 
done by local people. So, you know, like working with a little textile family in Guatemala, what happens is, is we can help build capacity for their, for their business or for their project by literally just supporting the idea they already have. They know what mm -hmm. to do. What yeah. happens is most international interventions and in aid, they start with a plan that's drawn up in, you know, New York at the UN, or it's drawn up by some aid agency because yeah. they're seeing it as a big giant puzzle to like the, the Mayan problem to solve. And so they see this person as one piece in this bigger project. And what we learned is if you just go and listen in the local language, you uh, wait a minute, this guy's brilliant. He can't read or write, but he's brilliant. He knows exactly <laughs> what he needs yeah. and his family's ready to go. They just need four more machines and maybe, you know, a couple thousand dollars to buy a, to buy a little shack. And here's the deal. We can, we can hook that up. And then some, well, your impact's not very great. Oh, wait a minute, back up. The impact may be so profound that you can't see it because it's generations to come. I'm willing to take that bet. And so we mm -hmm. just help. We just help the decentralized, brilliant people, the people who are out there. And then what happens is as soon as the project gets so big, probably like you, man, as soon as the project gets, you know, it's a number, I don't know, 50 grand, 100 grand. Then what happens is, is the local government wakes up to it and now they want yeah. a piece of that. And what I found is, is if you keep the project small, nobody cares, but enough projects around the world and you start to create real honest change and so there's something 100%. about your project that it's a collaboration that yeah. yeah i i see it as a collaboration definitely i see i see something that they can talk all the bs they want they can buy out as much as they want i see it happen in regenerative farming and ranching all the time people getting bought out mm. you know i just saw a website today and if you go through the website i'm not going to say who it is but it's me talking damn it and so they're already doing it. I'm serious. Their head dude is saying what I'm saying. They have one of our boxes that I just created. and It, it didn't exist because we did our research. And now they're it's copy and paste, man. And that stuff's going to happen. But you know yeah. what? Go for it, man. You know, what's that saying? Flattery? It, what, yeah, that's right. You or um, is um, flattery or something? Mimicry something. is the best form of flattery or something like that. Yeah. 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 All right. Well. So let's do a second one. Maybe you get me on, on on what you're doing someday. I'd love to come over and talk with you guys. That would be fantastic. No, no. Uh, let's uh, let's do this. What I'll be doing, and I want everybody to know this because this is the first entry point, maybe for a lot of them, for knowing what we're doing with the Beef Initiative. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be kind of the figurehead. This last year, I was really, you know, it was a lot of reconnaissance. It was a lot of infrastructure building and all that. But now I get to go out there and be Texas Slim, right? And that, and that wasn't something that I planned, but people respond to it. So I'm going to run with it. No, and you so have what to. We're gonna You're that guy. You're the character. Yeah, You're I'm that one. guy. You're the one. And so we're going to have an Instagram account. We're going to really, we're going to turn pop culture on its head. So we're going to start doing a lot of content across this world. And I want everybody to, you know, if they want to follow along, we'll have that Instagram account. It'll be I am Texas Slim. But we're going to develop a lot. So whenever I get over to Australia, what I want to do is I want to do a podcast with you while I'm in Australia and keep everybody up to speed, either be yours or mine. 
And then whenever we get to Thailand, guess what? They don't have words like organic or grass fed. Right. They just know how to eat better than we do. And they do it very simply. And so there's, it's, it's going to be a fascinating kind of fun little, you know, international road trip that we're going to do. And I really want to, you know, get this collaboration going and say, Hey man, what's going on with you over there in Australia? And you can tell me examples because you have some history to reflect upon and you've done it very well so far i think we can go deeper down this uh, rabbit hole of collaboration to count me in man and count us in count the first things crew in they're out there working we're just putting two new guys in mozambique so now that it's in your mind and and as you build the concept and as you you try to you know push your the spirit out there um we'll we'll collaborate but this was this was wonderful i wish we could keep going i i just can't i'm bumped up against something me too man it's it's good though man quality 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 we'll bring quality over uh quantity anytime and this was quality uh conversation and this is not a one-off man i don't do one-offs man this goes deep we're going to do a vertical integration back into truth and food that's All right, man. We'll call you the villager. You 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 go go see go those villages it. and see what happens out there. And thanks for taking I'm our going test. To, I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk the earth. Here we go. <laughs> All right, brother. Um, Texas Appreciate Slim guys, you. we'll be in touch. Thank you for 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 all of that. All right, there it is, Texas Slim. Wow, lots to be done there. What and like, how can anyone raise like what's what's the what's the irritation with? Texas. What could possibly be wrong with his initiative to deliver healthy food? Here's the thing, and I'm going to get him on again and ask him, is it expensive? Because he's going to battle the global economy. That's our next talk. But anyway, thank you, Texas Slim. We love you. That was a good conversation. On Watar, that's First Things Foundation podcast. That's right, www.first-things.org. Check it out. Get in touch with us if you have really good suggestions, if you'd like to be a supporter, if you'd like to help our guys overseas, if you'd like to fund one of their projects. And get back to us always. Next week, we'll be back on Watar.